Maybe some startups go from idea to launch without a hitch, but few startups make it without a lot of planning, testing, and revising. Oh, and that means beta testing. It's a way you can test drive your goods, you're catching bugs, a lot of bugs, and improving user experience, and it's all before you put your product out there in the wild for the world. I'm Rebecca Webb, founder of Portland Radio Project, co-hosting today with Joe Barrett, founder of Let's Go to Oregon Tours and host of Saturday Joe here on PRP. You can catch his show between 9 and 11 Saturday mornings. And we open the show with two experienced entrepreneurs with us is Hallie Gray, CEO of Evolve and Succeed. She just waved. And Krista, <laughs> and Krista King, founder of Fitlandia. Hello. Hey, everyone. It's great to be here. Glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you for taking time out of what is always a busy schedule. I live with entrepreneurs all the time. I know this. Tell us, uh, give me the elevator pitch for where your business is right now. Yes. Yeah, so we are an online fitness platform, Fitlandia, uh, on a mission to end the dieting cycle by helping people change the neural pathways in their brain. So we have launched, um, it's been just over a year now. It was a year in January, so about a year and a half, and we're just growing, growing, growing. And Hallie. Hey. Hey. Uh, so I run Evolve and Succeed, and we help, we're currently launching right now. I help uh, designers, developers, virtual assistants get booked out months in advance with our services. So we use launching and beta testing for both services and courses online. So let's perhaps uh, question the very assumption of, very assumption of the program. Uh, do you absolutely need to beta test? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Um, without a doubt, because you don't want to just, you know, fail, but I do, my philosophy is, and you'll hear different philosophies from different entrepreneurs is to not wait too long to launch because you're going to get a lot of great feedback from your actual customers, but certainly the basic functionality needs to be in place in order for you to even get that feedback. If they can't use your platform, it's not going to go anywhere and you're not going to need to get the feedback that you do need. Hallie, how did you decide when to do it? Uh, so for service is a little different because the turn like the lifetime or the timeline until you actually get paid for your product that you're using and this is in this case it's services is actually quite short so you can actually launch and get paid for something and then be doing the beta testing as you go forward so it's actually a little bit different but using the same principles in just a different order so when you're talking about beta testing a product or a service is it just the product or service that you're really checking out or does it include really the delivery system, the business, the whole business model? Yeah, basically you're just testing every aspect of it to see where you can get the best results for your clients and where you can get the most sales for what you're doing. Because you know what made me think of that is that cooler, that coolest cooler. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they were just overwhelmed by requests, right? And yep. couldn't deliver. Which is pretty interesting and exciting because they had so much success, but they just didn't have the structure in place to make it work. And that can be really tricky when it comes to growing. So does it sound like they didn't beta test? I can't answer that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't work for them either, but right. it sounds like they just had too much success, which is yeah. equally as bad as too much, you know, as too much failure. Well, I think yeah, it's yeah. I think it's different too when you're delivering a hard good versus a service. For sure. I was reading uh, in prep for this about Eero, the the home Wi-Fi thing, and. They got, of course, multiple rounds of funding and had a huge team, but their beta lasted six months. And they had these iterations in the middle of it about some internal clients, then some external, and then they would circle around, like when they were trying to close the loop at the end, they would circle around and actually bring new people in that had never seen it before, as opposed to people who just got um, 
upgraded features. So, oh yeah, that's super interesting. <laughs> and well, and I was going to ask based on yours, I know you're, you have a smaller team, <laughs> but, but how, yeah, exactly. It's just you. <laughs> so, um, tell us a little bit about your process. Like how did, I mean, okay. So you decided when, then what? Yeah. So if, for me, being a one woman show, that doesn't mean I don't have contractors that I work with, which is a whole different dynamic that you're managing. So for me, I started a year prior to launch with actually beta testing with a focus group on the actual service piece while I was building the technical platform and um, a lot of the content in the background for a year. So when I launched, I felt pretty confident with the technical platform that I have or that alpha testing, right? Everyone internal is it's doing testing after testing after testing. Um, but, you know, just kind of tied to what we were just talking about, I would have been in a lot of trouble had I had this like instant, like, oh my gosh, I have, you know, 5,000 people signing up for the platform all at once because I didn't have that infrastructure. So I am fortunate, um, although my growth has been <laughs> way too slow, I am fortunate that I've been able to catch a lot of things before it really affects my brand. Well, after today, I'm sure that'll change. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. is there, you know, sort of a formula, and maybe you can talk about this, Hallie, for when you do that in, insider testing and then when you go to the outside? I love testing. I love it because you get to evolve as you're going. So the testing is really crucial so that you can keep improving everything for, you know, externally and internally. Um, it just depends on your structure of what you're selling. Because if you're doing like a membership site or a product, a physical product or a digital product, it really will change how you're going about it. So when it comes to services, which is what I usually specialize in, you come up with your idea, you come up with your marketing, you come up with everything you need to basically get the money in the door because that validates if it's a worthwhile service to offer. And then you start to offer it and basically build it out as you're moving forward. So it's very quick and rapid evolution. Now, what about the what? I mean, for a long time, you basically heard to test MVP, minimum viable product. And now you read the MVP is dead. And you should do rat testing, riskiest assumption test. So, <laughs> and I've heard it described as a candle in the dark, like you're testing your largest unknown. So where, where were you when you, if you had it to go back and do again, would you start the beta at a different point? That, I love this question. I actually, arguably people would have said I started too soon. Um, but that was really intentional. And my entire background is in pricing strategies, demand forecasting, competitive analysis. So I made a lot of assumptions around what my consumer wanted just through the research that I had done. So for me, it was more important to like get it out there and especially being in the fitness and diet industry, which is completely oversaturated. I knew that I needed to really focus on no, I got to be pushing a product because it's going to take a long time before I get a lot of adoption to it. So for me, I, I had to launch a little bit earlier than making it spot on perfect, like that perfect welcome onboarding. You know, I, I had the I was able to do it like very personally, like welcome everyone and get them through that process. Did you pre-sell it? Well, well, I did pre-sell a program, so I do programming too. And yeah. I did. I totally pre-sold that before I had even built out all the content. Go ahead, Hallie. No, How I, about just, you? I was, so basically, uh, we do also a course right now, which we're launching. And so what happened is that we developed, we used all of the research that we had developed while we were offering the course or offering the service and we turned it into a curriculum. And then basically what we did was pre-sell it so that we could make sure again, because 
when you're offering your own services as your business model, what happens is that you don't have as much startup capital to, you know, take that time, take a year to figure it out. So we launched it and then we got pre-sales in and then we just created the course as we were going along week by week with the, with the users that signed up. So they self-selected by paying for it, being interested in it and making sure that it was a problem for them. Just curious, Krista, why you went ahead into such a crowded field? Why did you choose that? Because <laughs> I'm person- crazy. It's personal. It, it is personal. It's very, it's very personal. It's very mission based. I reached the end of my rope in my corporate career. And uh, four months later, I became a certified hypnotherapist, got a second coaching certification, got a nutritional therapy certification. And I, I really believe I've cracked the code and what it takes to truly make a permanent lifestyle change and incorporating that missing piece of engaging the power of the mind. So for me, um, I'm all stat driven, right? That's my analytical background. 67% of people are projected to fail at reaching or maintaining their fitness goals because they're not aware of the deep rooted thought patterns that we develop in childhood, adolescence. I know I'm sharing a lot here, but I'm so like, because I'm passionate about the mission to end the pain, shame, and suffering around yo-yo dieting. I have I to know, do I'm it. I'm signing up as soon as we get off the air. We call it the biz 503 effect. <laughs> So, Krista, with yours, I know you had quite a bit of content development to do, and then that's ongoing. Um, when you have a lot of education to do for the potential consumer of the product, how does that affect the beta or the product itself, I guess? So help me understand the question a little bit, because I'm as soon as you said you had a lot of content, I'm like, I'm in my content right now thinking about that. Um, and that certainly is educating my, my customer. Is yeah. that... Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it should have been a two part question, but, um, part of people adopting your product is eventually educating them to the fact that they actually need it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, I I mean, you do betas and you, uh, people ask only really for features that they already know about, but you're really trying to create something that didn't exist before. So how, how do you account for that in the beta process? Yeah, how do I bridge that gap? Yeah. Um, I, I do. I throw a lot, a lot of statistics out. People get numbers, right? They understand. Like if I can educate them saying 67% of you, if you don't tap into the power of your mind and change that thought pattern, well, that's very powerful. That's not me just sharing a story. I can pull out a bazillion other uh, statistics as well. But I think that's a big part of it. Plus, people all they they all are hearing about the power of meditation, right? So I really glob onto that when I talk about the mind zoning audio recordings that we include with our memberships, because that's going to bridge that gap. They can wrap their head around, literally, right? No pun intended, around what it means to meditate. So if they can get into that headspace and then understand that mind zoning is just doing an active form of meditation to help transform their mind, they can get pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's a little woo, but I'm, I'm left-brained enough to be able to bridge that gap. Okay, cool. So, <laughs> so Hallie, on yours, by contrast, it, I don't see your product as, as quite as much of a learning curve for people, but what's, uh, what's some feedback you've gotten so far based on your product that you've kind of said, yeah, that's something that so I approach it basically like, you know how when your dog's sick and you need to give him medicine, you wrap it in cheese and then you put the medicine inside the cheese. <laughs> That's how I approach uh, basically helping people and identifying if this is the right course or right service for them is basically saying like, I could talk to them about all this like 
practical skills that they're going to learn. But a lot at the end of the day, all they really want to know is the end result they're going to get. And so I tell them you're going to get months of clients booked in advance and that's the cheese. And then inside of that, I teach them a whole bunch of skills. So sometimes it's hard to lead with your, you know, your unique selling point because people don't either care or they're not sophisticated enough in their problem to understand how that applies. And so what I do is make sure that I just make it really easy in layman's terms to understand what they're going to get from it. And then I stick that medicine in there so that they make sure that they actually get those results. <laughs> I think that's part of the answer to, to the question that I was just going to ask you, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about how you can, since you love testing, set up your tests in such a way that you'll get the information you need from them. Ooh, okay. Awesome. This is a great question because there's many different aspects you want to be looking at when you're testing. You want to be collecting data for your marketing when you actually do launch it. So like testimonials, feedback, everything on terms of like how it's actually going and changing anything that needs to happen with the actual product itself. And then you want to be making sure that the users are getting results in terms of like tracking their progress, tracking their obstacles, tracking, you know, their wins and successes. And then basically you want to be tracking your tech and how easily the tech is delivered and if you have to update it or what new features need to be added to make sure delivery is going smoothly. So there's like multiple aspects when you're testing that you want to make sure that you're covering. And so what I would recommend is just making sure you're tracking everything and that you're tracking in those three areas so that you can go back and be like, yeah, awesome. Now I know exactly how to improve it. And when I launch it, it's going to be easy to sell. It's going to get people results and it's going to be easy to deliver. How much of beta testing for you is exercising the internal structure of the, of the company, even if it is just you, yeah. like, cause part of that is you got to figure out if your support team is ready, for example. Definitely. Definitely. And so with services, it's limited, but with courses, it's unlimited. So you can sell it to as many people as you want. So basically what the, I would recommend doing is using like an existing platform. If you're offering a course, which is an educational, basically an online class, um, and making sure that it'll scale with you as you grow and get more users in. Um, but if it's your services, you're going to have to put a cap on it. So basically you just need to make sure that your tools and systems in the background are already set up, but those can be reused for additional courses or services. Cool. Hey, stay tuned because we are going to talk more about the real world kind of stories of how startups make beta testing work. You're listening to Biz 503 the podcast for small businesses, startups, and anyone who wants to turn their idea into income. Biz 503 on PRP. Welcome back to Biz 503 on PRP. I'm Joe Barrett, budding entrepreneur and DJ, co-hosting with Rebecca Webb of Portland Radio Project. Today on Biz 503, we're unpacking the box of beta testing and why it's so important. With us in the studio, Hallie Gray, CEO of Evolve and Succeed, and Jesse Fittipaldi, business development lead at Arcimoto. Glad to have you both with us. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah. And just talk a little bit about, since, you know, you just jumped into this conversation, the importance of beta testing. Why is it so important? Um, I, I think, especially in vehicle development, um, there, it's, it's a massive undercourse of, of what makes a successful project. Uh, we, we set out to solve a problem, not necessarily, we didn't know what was going to do that. We wanted to reduce carbon. And so we spent, you know, seven years developing um, prototypes and testing them, putting them in front of the public and uh, just basically giving our best efforts and then finding out what is, what we needed to improve. It's a constant improvement uh, program. And you did this for Arcimoto. So in a nutshell, tell us what Arcimoto is. Uh, Arcimoto is the lowest cost electric vehicle for daily driving. So we wanted to reinvent the architecture that moves people around, you know, to work, to school, to the store. 
So with a physical product, obviously, you've got a limitation on number of units. How did you decide who your audience for the beta tests would be? Uh, well, in order to solve the problem, we needed to develop a, uh, a product that was mass adoptable. So we, we put it in front of as many people as we could uh, and, and didn't guess who that person would be. Um, and that, that's part of the data collection that you do and, and really not trying not to make assumptions about that, but just being diligent about collecting the information and, uh, and, and informing yourself from that. So it wasn't a matter of like a lot of vetting of somebody's profile ahead of time. You just kind of threw them in there and then would grab the data afterward, I imagine. Yes. So that, that's one of the unique uh, positions that we have now with technology is that we can, we, we can determine who we are actually directing information to and then tracking how they respond to it. So where are you in your process right now in Portland? Uh, well, we're based out of Eugene um, and uh, we are, we have solved the architecture problem. So it took seven years to get there to actually build the vehicle that does what we want to do and meets what we learned was, you know, the consumer confidence side of it, right? Like what people want. And uh, we're getting ready to deliver the first vehicles to customers this summer, which is a major mark uh, in a vehicle development. Wow. Yeah. So exciting. You're kind of hard headed, aren't you? Seven years. Uh, well, the founders, the founder <laughs> is, is, uh, is hard headed and yes, we're all delusional, I think, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's really amazing to actually then get the product in front of people and get them in it and drive and people just go, uh, okay, now I get what you guys are doing and this is really cool and the world's been waiting for this. So exciting. So Thank this you. summer, will that be just Eugene? Uh, the Portland, launch. Uh, oh yeah, we'll be we'll be all over the West Coast. Uh, Portland is a is a major city for uh, advocacy for us. I mean, we have a lot of pre-order customers up here. So um, exciting times. So either one of you can speak to this. Let's say you're sitting around late at night having a beverage of your choice, and uh, you're you're the subject of your best testing story comes up, as in. Uh, what was something that a, a user told you, a beta user told you as feedback that you had perhaps never considered as part of the product before? Uh, for us particular, for our course, the user feedback was like, this is so awesome, but you've given me too much information. And I was like, oh, okay, good to know. So I've given you too much knowledge, got to scale that back. So basically when it comes to like how we're always trying to figure out how when it comes to the human brain, we can help them absorb information better so that they can actually put it into action instead of them becoming encyclopedias. So it was good to get that reality check of like, okay, they don't need to know the history of marketing. They just need to know like, this is what, how you write a sales page online. And so that was really good to see it from their perspective instead of just trying to download my brain into their brains. And um, I, I, I think there was a, a really cool moment um, when we were discussing how to talk about the product. So the company had been trying to solve a problem, which is, re, you know, make a vehicle that reduces carbon, drastically reduces carbon. And so we were always talking about the solution and we didn't realize that we actually maybe landed on something that was super fun. So when people got in the vehicle, they were just like, this is super fun. And then we just kept hearing it over and over again. And some, we were talking to one of our advisors and he was like, you guys need to change it because fun is what gets people to use it and getting people to use it is what is important. And I you can love it. Yeah. And you can see that incorporated into the videos on your site now. Yes. That's like right yeah. up front there. Yeah. So <laughs> marketing got that one too. Yes. So I was wondering how you get your test subjects. Like how do you know, you know, attract them and know who is a good 
test subject? Uh, well, we do uh, uh, test drive events that are just open to the public. So, um, you know, we, we travel to various cities and put people in the vehicle and drive it. And, uh, and that's where we learn who is interested in it, you know, if, if it's or, or auto shows and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you found any different demographics, either one of you, than, than you thought or psychographics, I guess? I mean, we, you always have kind of an idea of who your consumer is. And many times beta testing reveals that perhaps it's like wider than that or narrower. Definitely. We found that we could go into a couple of different industries online. We originally created our course for coaches and helping them book out in advance. But we found that actually virtual assistants and like project managers who are online could use it to, to do that as well as designers and developers. And they're actually three very different industries when they're trying to sell their services online and they have very unique problems but we just found that the core of our information we were giving them was applicable to all of those industries, which was pretty exciting. Are there some considerations around intellectual property when you're beta testing and what are those? Yeah, definitely. Because uh, all of our information is digital, we need to make sure that our legal is 100% secure and safe and like on top of its game because it's so easy to take information nowadays, copy paste it, pop it into a PDF and say it's yours. So you really need to have your legal evolve with you when it comes to online. I'll bet that's especially true for a product. Yeah, well. it's it's very tricky. And especially as we start talking to international, uh, you know, people that are very interested in bringing it into other countries, which is really solving the problem, right? A worldwide solution. Um, and some, some people are very fast at uh, converting what they see into product. So, uh, but it's, you know, it's, you just try to remove the fear. It's, you know, we're trying to solve a problem and hope, you know, if somebody else figures it out, that's great. <laughs> um, how long should a test ideally run? Because I don't know, I think you reach a point of diminishing returns at some point. And I, I also, I come back to that story of, uh, Eero that they started integrating people at different points as they did upgrades. So can you speak to how that worked for, for either one of you? Uh, I think usually what happens is that people get sucked into perfectionism because they want to make sure that their product or their service or their, you know, physical product is perfect because they want to have everything right when they launch it and they want to make everybody who's bought it super happy. But what happens is that you just need to figure out like what's 80% that's going to make everybody happy and it's going to be great. And then we can just do upgrades along the way. Um, what was the second question? I don't know. That was, okay. oh, oh, how did you, uh, how did you integrate? Did you integrate new people at different points of the test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So you would get somebody in who might just have started doing their own design freelancing business. And then we got people in who had already been doing it for years and just seeing if those had the same results as before and how their different situations um, affected the results because we're very results oriented for our clients and students. Now, Jesse, with your product, um, was there any aspect in your testing of relationship building, like trying to create brand champions at this point, people that are going to be evangelistic about the eventual product, or is it too early for that for oh, you guys? Big time. Our, uh, it's, it's, that's what moves us forward, really, is that, that you know, over a seven-year cycle of product development, you, know, you, you hope that you have somebody who's standing up and cheering for you. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool. We have a great community of people that, that believe in what we're doing and that the world needs this product. So... Uh, it keeps us moving. This goes a little bit back to Joe's uh, late night 
adult beverage conversation <laughs> where you're sharing revelations. But And I can't believe anything would be uncovered after seven, uh, seven years. But I'm just curious if you ever look back at any of your testing and think, oh, I wish we had asked them X, Y, or Z. Um, I, I, I think that we, we had a pretty reasonable, uh, understanding of what our product was, was missing because it had not actually met the thesis of the company. Right. So it was this just very long design curve to, you know, make 80% improvements and then launch the next one with an 80% improvement and the next one and, and, and work towards solving the problem. Um, it's, it, we're a very unique company, I think in our development cycle. Yeah. Hallie, was there anything that you looked back and said, I wish I had asked them this question. Uh, yeah, I definitely wish I had asked them um, along the way what specific points of win they had. Because for a lot of people, um, when it comes to developing their businesses online, they usually have like this self-defeating attitude, which is kind of like what Krista is working against for diets, is that they mentally don't think about how they, far they've come. And so they kind of stop the experiment or start their, stop their startup before it's even gotten out of the gates. Cause they're like, Oh, I haven't come that far. Cause I haven't been able to launch something yet. I haven't been able to get customers or sales. And actually they might've had amazing success, but you definitely want to record that along the journey so that you can track it and the students or the users can track it. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the kind of data you get from the tests and what you, what you do to process it. How do you, how do you make sense of all of that that you get uh, it sounds like Jesse, for you, there's probably a pretty engineered process for how that works. But uh, how do you assign greater or lesser importance to a particular piece of feedback data from testing? Um, well, so we we've started another testing program in our company, which is actually how we advertise and and uh, and we market the product. We're we're getting ready to do a a, a public offering, um, uh, Regulation A. And so we've, you know, we've been uh, formulating a plan of articulating what we want to talk about and then having a testing, you know, st uh, a constant stream of that we're getting uh, data from and then changing things in it. So and more kind of like traditional A-B testing. Yes. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's actually just exactly traditional. Right. But the cool thing about it is that, you know, that is the tool that we have at our disposal as startup companies. Now I can't imagine doing this 10 years ago or 20 years ago where it was just like, Hey, the win is to spend a million dollars on a Super Bowl ad and hope that people get it. You know, like yeah. now it's like very articulated, you know, small runs at, and, and, and getting that data back and saying, all right, let's, let's tweak it out. Uh, and it definitely takes a certain mind to be able to process that information back. I think. Uh, Hallie with yours, how much is just raw data and how much is feel? Because some businesses lend that self that is a great more than question. others. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, basically, uh, most of it is based on either if the student has got results or not got results. The people who have gotten results, they're actually their feedback is a lower priority because they've already accomplished it with the existing information. If they haven't gotten results, then we prioritize their data and their feedback a lot higher. And then a lot of it is qualitative in the fact that we're in there talking to our users every day and we're just seeing how they're what they're saying and what they're feeling. And then... We base how we structure that going forward by supporting them and using the hard data, like what are their numbers? What are they coming in with? But it is a lot of feel, which is not my favorite because you can't really track feelings. I mean, you can happy face, smiley, like frowny face, but that doesn't really help to, you know, 
Harder to quantify. Yes. So let's go back, if we can, just to your idea for a minute of the personal win, um, because I I think that's something that you probably have to uh, address from the beginning if you're going to really plot someone's journey. Definitely. Yeah. And do you ever go back to them uh, on the, those points? Yeah. So we always want to go back and look at like what kept them moving forward. But I think with the beta testing as well, like half of the problem is that when you're doing something in this industry I'm in, you, your users will fall off because they're not feeling motivated anymore. So it's very much feelings based. So you have to like keep reminding them like, Hey, you did this awesome thing. Keep going. You're getting small results. Keep moving forward. And so it's a lot of motivational feeling stuff, which is, yeah, which is something that you need to do because, um, when someone's changing and creating new positive growth, it can be hard to keep them moving forward. Like any industry also, of course, there's people that are willing to help you do the tests can you can either one of you speak to any of like the third party tools that that help you set up tests or did you just do it ad hoc on your own? Uh, we we use the you know traditional tools uh, Facebook and that provides and Google provides um, and we have uh, some secret teams that we're working with down in California that do a lot of AI stuff for us. That that's another big uh, move where you can start you know processing massive amounts of data and looking for things that you know, the normal human being would not catch. <laughs> uh, we don't have AI, but we hope to one day. <laughs> I hope Canadian AI, because I bet they'd be very friendly. <laughs> nice answer. Now, when you're in the middle of this too, it can, I think, be very easy to get caught up in the process and to have this sort of micro focus. How do you personally keep the overall mission in the forefront. Jesse, it doesn't sound like it's a problem for you. You've been evangelizing since you got here. Yeah. But thank you. That's yeah. funny. Okay. <laughs> uh, how, how do we keep the mission in front of us? Yeah. Um, uh, have a mission you believe in for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's a simple, would be the simple answer, I think. And yeah. Uh, I think for us, it's more about like reading the customer's stories that they come out of afterwards. Cause some people go in to this program that we run or this course that we run. And what makes it exciting is the specifics that they use because they'll tell us that they were living on their friend's floor with their kid and that at the end of the program, they now can pay for their apartment a year in advance. They've got clients booked out. And so it's more about as much as that big mission statement is nice, when you share those specific stories with the team, they just seem to light up. And so that helps to keep the mission in your head because you're like, Oh yeah, actually this is very specifically tangible from one person on this world. So that helps. Those are the kind of stories you just kind of want to tack up on the wall. And then when you have one of those days where it doesn't seem like anything is working, you can go, yeah, yeah. We, we did help somebody. Yeah. Go remind back. yourself of the wind. When we come back, we're going to talk about what to do when things go wrong right after this. Are you ready to turn your idea into cash or are you already launched and hitting roadblocks? Join PRP each Friday at 1 p.m. for Biz 503, the talk show for startups and small businesses. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca Webb co-hosting today with Joe Barrett on Biz 503. It's all about beta testing. So what to do with the feedback you get from beta testing and what to do when your results show problems. With us today, Jesse Fittipaldi from Arkimoto and Krista King with Fitlandia. Welcome back, Krista. Thank you. 
I'm just guessing there's never been any problem with any of your beta testing, right? It's been perfect Perfect. results every time. (laughs) Smooth sailing. (laughs) Come on. No, it's, it's always a challenge, especially with the work that I'm doing, which is helping people change their minds. So we all come from different past experiences and perspectives. And so really looking at a platform that's going to help guide them along the way while honoring that is, is really a challenge. And it's, you know, it's especially a challenge for me as well, because I don't have enough users right now to really get the data that I need. So, right. So actually that brings up, how do you know what to pay attention to? Right. So for me, I pay a lot of attention to, um, my website traffic and how they engage when they just come to the landing page. So I do a ton of AB testing, Um, And I can talk about some mistakes, a very recent mistake I made. Um, So basically, um, I'm doing some A-B testing, changing up the messaging. Of course, I'm learning and growing every day. But all of a sudden, I I did this awesome landing page, got great feedback from everyone. I put it out there, and my um, organic search results plummeted. And, And I say plummeted, like, right, my numbers aren't that huge. But it was it was noticeable. So I'm, I do a lot with Google Analytics. And what I didn't realize is a lot of the keywords I had been using, I didn't put into the new homepage. So it's um, that that was a really big learning for me. And of course, like anyone that knows me, I'm the resource queen. So as soon as I saw that, I'm like, OK, like my mind's going, okay, something's tied together here. So I just start Googling, why did my traffic die after I made a change to my homepage? And this perfect article popped up to teach me. My lesson learned. All about the keywords. Yes. Now, sometimes in the middle of testing, the testing maybe doesn't work. And now I don't know if you had any experiences with that, but it, you may you can reach a point where what you're testing uh, is maybe not the right thing to test. Does that make any sense? Oh, sure. Because okay. I'm testing all sorts of stuff all the time, and. Um, especially if you're testing a different landing page with different images and words, um, that's where it can get really confusing, right? That's another, I would say, mistake is you're, you're not going to get the right information about that messaging if you're changing a number of things on, for me, again, that homepage. And, and is that engaging? Am I getting people to click through into another page to learn more? How long are they on those pages? Well, my bounce rates are, you know... <laughs> I'm working on them. <laughs> Jesse, do you want to talk about that too? I mean, you have a team of people. How big is, is your team, by the way, doing um, the testing? Uh, the marketing testing uh, is about eight people. Um, yeah, we have, we have a very solid, robust uh, team of people who think very well. The, this gets really complicated fast. That's, that's the, you know, it's a, it's a huge machine. Um, with tons of variables and that, you know, tracking all of those variables that you've put into place and changed and what is actually affecting how people, you know, is it Tuesday? Mm-hmm. You know, what's meaningful. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, it's really fun, but, uh, and, and, um, yeah, I don't have any advice on how to make it not complicated. I wish I had it. There's books, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. None of them solves it. Yeah. How, um, how how do you decide when it's maybe time? I don't know if this has happened for you 
in, in this company or anywhere else, but how do you decide when maybe it might be time to pull back off of a test to maybe not run it for a while and then maybe go beta again or whatever comes after beta, theta? I don't know. But <laughs> is, that, is, that even a, is that even a thing that anybody does? Um, we, we've had to really analyze that as we've increased our spend, um, to, to try to talk to this, uh, you know, it's, it's how long, yeah, how long do you run something and, and, uh, what is it that you're actually looking for off of it? Right. So when we first started, it was, we, we were making assumptions like, well, let's run it for a month and see what happens, so, you know, and a lot of times you determine what you need to know in like three days, but the 27 days following were basically, you know, wasted spend. Uh, so that's actually something we're working on right now is trying to figure out the curves and, uh, and, and what we're really looking for and when we should st uh, stop stuff. Good question. Good question. Just in terms of, we, since you brought up complexity, just you personally, uh, in your life or in your business, how do you decide what the most important thing to concentrate on is? This doesn't have much to do with, it, it, it has something to do with beta testing, I guess, but just in general, given that what I know about your routine, Krista, and your, yours, I'm sure, is the same, Jesse. Um, how do you prioritize? How do you do it? <laughs> uh, everyone take it one day at a time. Dev like my system is have a place to like, anytime I have an idea, thought, download, right? Just get it out. And then I, um, I've gone through like seven different planners until I found the right one for me, which is, um, I'll do a plug for them. I don't get paid for it, but it's the, the best self journal. And I literally plan out from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I fill every bit of space in there. Do I get to everything? No, but it helps me really visualize um, what does my day need to look like today? What are the things I need to get done? But then there's one to three things. These are the things that have to get done. And if I don't like to do them, I do them first. Just get to it first. And by the way, can I borrow your marketing team <laughs> to help with my, my uh, prioritizing? <laughs> you are an inspiration, Krista. Well, thank with you. that planner. Do you use one, Jesse? Do I use a planner? A detailed pl day planner? Uh, no. Uh, I, I use the, the Google Calendar. And one thing that I learned that I've been trying to do is, is actually, which is just hilarious to say out loud, uh, is to actually schedule when things happen versus like just meetings. You know, it's, it's, it's look at your list and then like, all right, you know, Thursday between two and four, I'm going to work on this thing. That, that's been working pretty well. A, lo a lot of it is, is, uh, just having a team around you that, that you trust. We have, we have such a good, great team and, uh, and we've been working on really just ensuring that we're delegating the right tasks to the people that should be working on the problem. That's really is like, take stuff off of, you know, your plate, give it to the people that are really, really good at that and then work on the things that you're technically supposed to be working on. I think after this show, I'm going to go take all those sticky notes from all over the counter and put them in a day planner. What do you think? <laughs> I, got a, I got an app you can use for that. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Let's say we've reached uh, beta testing Nirvana as in we're close to done. How do we decide to, that, uh, how do we set a date? For launch. I, I, I think it's similar to what I was saying before. I launched before I felt like I was done, um, probably earlier than most people do. That was actually just really important to me. So I'm probably not the best person to speak on, okay, these are the things you want to have in place, then set your date and go. It, 
it's not my business or how I work. Um, very good question. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, you get tons of uh, pushback when you try to put that flag in the sand. Um, so it, it's a, I, I think it's a, a correlation between uh, spend, how much burn you have left, uh, how much time you think the product development remains and putting a, 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 a pushing date on it. So the team is really having to work really hard to get to that point. And then also time enough to plan for the result of that, of accomplishing that goal. Okay. And I'd love to get Hallie Gray's take on that. So can we just have her back from Evolve and Succeed? What do you say on hey, the so flag would, in the sand? I know, flag <laughs> in the sand. Uh, I totally recommend pre-selling. So even if you know that you can't give it to the people who are your users or your clients or customers, definitely find a time to pre-sell and pre-sell well in advance so that when you know you actually launch it, you've already got a whole bunch of people who are lined up to use the product and you could even do like one more beta test before you go through forward and like one more round so that you've got the best possible product going forward and testimonials as well. So I totally recommend pre-selling as soon as possible, launching it definitely with enough time in advance and then making sure that you have a proper timeline to get them results. And we need to know what day planner you use. Uh, I just write it in a journal, so I don't, I don't got, I don't have anything fancy, unfortunately. I'll show you my system later. <laughs> uh, Jesse, give us a little behind the scenes, if you can, how, how the beta results, how does that, um, get synthesized and presented if you're still looking for another round of funding, maybe is, is, uh, what, what part of that is something that you would say, bring to a VC pitch and say, here, here's what we've done. Oh Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, it's, we have good results and that encourages the investment story um, and encourages us to keep moving forward. So, uh, you know, it's newsletter signups and, uh, and pre-order, you know, cost to acquire the pre-order. Um, and you should watch his video if you haven't. The website is arkamoto.com. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Very good. Yeah. It's good stuff. So is there a risk ever of doing too much beta testing so that, you know, investors and others maybe see you coming and they're like, why do they think their product can still succeed? You know what I'm saying? Too much overexposure. Yeah, for sure. In our, in our story, I mean, seven years of, of, I mean, it's been 10 years, seven years to get to the, to the alpha. Um, yeah. Many times investors were like, are you guys just messing around or, you know, what's going on there? And it's like, no, this is, this is what it takes to be real about this, this problem. So. Either one of you, turning the mic around. There we go. Well, I just get, you're in a crazy saturated industry. <laughs> like, I, you know, you just, you just keep moving forward. You just got to keep moving forward. Uh, I find that usually what happens when you're doing this in the tiny environment of the internet that we are hanging out in is that if people have been running their own business online for years and then they haven't launched anything where they can actually make money, it just ends up collapsing them with bad debt and bad decisions and they hold on to their ideas too long. So I think time really is a factor against you when you're trying to get out there and have a viable business because you need to start making money as soon as possible. But for depending on your industry, because if you're creating a physical product, you clearly can't give people like a car made of toothpicks. That would be a, a environmentally friendly though. Idea. So let's give the, let's give the consultation away. What do you say? I think it's a good time for that. And then we'll come back with and and wrap up a little business 
and uh, call it a show. So you might have heard today, maybe legal advice is a good thing. If your startup could use a little bit of that, we got a good prize for you today. Imix Law Firm is offering an hour of legal consultation to a startup or a small business. Text the word biz, that's B-I-Z, to our number. We are at 27299, that number again, 27299 to win that consultation. Text us B-I-Z. It's a great uh, consultation by Imix to give away because as entrepreneurs, we all <laughs> have those moments where we need that kind of advice. Okay, so let's do a you know a bullet round and have you just look back at the beta, beta testing that you've each done. And if you can summarize what worked, what didn't work, things that you saved and, and retained along the way and things you threw away because they were no good. Who wants to go first? I Krista. can go first. <laughs> Do it. I knew I could rely um, on you. I, I'm, the, I'm the queen of stubborn right now. Um, I So the whole platform with Fitlandia, the whole mission is to end the, the fragmentation of the wellness industry. And so I provide nutrition, exercise, and community along with the mind zoning audio recordings. And that's actually really important to me. And I've had so many people say, just focus on the mind zoning, like that's your thing. And I'm just being really stubborn about it. Um, I have to trust my gut. I have to trust my instincts. I have to realize that the the industry that I'm in, and if other companies can offer two to three services, why can't I offer four and be super successful about it? So um, I'm not letting go yet. Jesse? Um, yeah, I, I could say that the over the course of seven years, that a lot of really good ideas come up in what the vehicle could be used for or other technologies that could be, could be put into it. And, uh, it's been really hard, I think, to, to have to set aside all of those great ideas and really focus on, on the, the, the vehicle. And then also in the vehicle development, like giving up on generation six, like who really, you know, you put all that effort into it and you're like, all right, see you later, generation six. You weren't, you just didn't answer the question, you know, so. Don't develop attachments. Don't, att yes, good. Yes. Uh I've killed a lot of course ideas and service ideas because it's like Darwinism. You want to take the one that's the strongest and invest the most into it. And so I think it's just when things look really good and you're like, this is so great, but it's just medicine and there's no cheese there, you got to let it go. So all about the cheese, Joe. This is what I will eventually always remember when I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this show, medicine and cheese. Or if you need to uh, administer something to your dog. <laughs> or my business. Okay, yeah. guys, any last thoughts, things you wish you had brought up uh, with us today? Or should we call it a wrap? I, it was just brilliant. I'd like to give a shout out to this radio station. Um, I was driving up and totally unrelated. And I was thinking that, you know, all the radio stations were getting taken over and where did the music and healing conversation go? So I think this is really, I, I thank you for having me here. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> we are standing in contrast to concentrated conglomerated media. We're just a small community station and really appreciate you noticing. You can get us on the dial at 99.1 when you get in to the heart of Portland, you probably noticed you couldn't get us outside of that because our signal is not strong, but we're streaming everywhere. Thanks so much. Okay. So who was, who all was on the show today that we want to thank Joe? We had Jesse Fittipaldi from Arkimoto, Krista King from Fitlandia, 
and Hallie Gray from Evolve and Succeed and Succeed and Evolve. And I don't know, I'm changing your name here. <laughs> Sounds good. We're done. We're rebranding. Delighted to have you all with us. Hey, next week on Biz 503, we're going to talk about how to find the perfect team members for your business and how to build a culture to attract them. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Have a great weekend. Support for Biz 503 comes from Imix Law Group, offering trusted legal advice to startups and small businesses. Imix for business advice.